God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, welcome to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. We are hitting the ground running. We've done no, un- unlike every other episode, we've done no prep. We have no idea what's going to happen. Well, usually we prep for a couple weeks. Right. We have a, a theme sheet that we look at about three weeks before we go on the air. Then we then we get our research team to look up all the information that we want to talk about in depth on I'm Okay, You're Okay. Then we get National Geographic, um, the people that run National Geographic magazine, um, to okay all the information, vet it. We, you know, that's that's a business term we use. Betting. Um, <laughs> did, did you mount your camera? Did you mount your camera on somebody's toe? <laughs> here's the thing about National Geographic, and here's the thing about growing up at a certain time in Alabama, is for a very long time, perhaps even decades, I don't know. Yeah, that was the only way <laughs> for a curious kid like me to see the female boob. Was the the humble I knew National I knew, Geographic? I knew as soon as you said Alabama and National Geographic <laughs> in the same sentence that I knew we were going to end up in titty. They're like, "Hey, Clint, fifth grade Clint, thank you for checking out from the uh, elementary school library National Geographic issue seven thousand thirteen, where you can see indigenous boobs." Uh, you must be very curious about the Native Americans, and I was. Yeah, but I feel like even like. Uh, like a stage kiss isn't really that sexy. Indigenous boobs. No. I know, but when you're in a desert, any liquid <laughs> is appetizing, dude. That's uh, all I'm saying. Speaking of appetizing, uh, we got to jump into the emails here because we got a lot of feedback on fast food. Oh, okay. We invited people to write in about fast food and we need to read what their, what their responses were because some of this stuff's interesting. Some of it's a head scratcher. I'm curious to get your thoughts. First of all, I want to say thank you to Noah Shepard Hayes and Oi Ez, who became patrons of the show. Oi. Which, by Ez. the way, funds all of that research that Bob was talking about earlier. Because guess what? That ain't free, and nothing no. is free in life. We spend tens of thousands of dollars on every episode vetting the information. I mean, just hacking a National Geographic's phone book was really, I mean, that was very not cost-effective. Because most of the most of the phone calls that we make over there, they they say who are you, and then they hang up. Right, and think of all the legal fees we're gonna have, we're gonna have after I talked about um, hornily looking at National Geographic Indigenous women when I was a kid. Um, that's a retroactive cancellation lawsuit coming right up. So we uh, we appreciate your support over there. All right, Brian Lancaster writes and he says this is his indisputable top ten. And neither of us are going to like number one. All right. Number 10, he says, love me some Subway. All right. <laughs> Look, what year is it? I actually, I actually love what Subway, What year too. is it, though? Is it 1992? If it's 1992. Then Subway's good. Then, sure, Subway can be in your top 10. Just not number one. <laughs> That's number 10. Number nine, Sonic. Sonic's pretty good. Number eight, Dairy Queen. 
Dairy Queen's real good. Number seven, McDonald's when the damn ice cream machine's working. They got that soft serve at Mickey D's. McDonald's should always be in the top ten. Number six, Schlotsky's. Pretty good. Number five, never heard of it. Bush's Chicken. Real, real good. Where's that based out of? It's based out of my butthole, I think. <laughs> Dude, it's it's definitely here in Austin. I don't know where else. It's probably a Texas thing. All right, here is top five. Number four, Arby's. All right, three, Chick-fil-A. Number two, another one I haven't heard of, Bill Miller's. No. And number one, Bob, coming in at number one for Brian Lancaster, Whataburger. He says you got to toast the buns. No, no. Again, if it's 1992, did did this come to us from 1992? Is he living in the past? Is he living 30 years ago? If he's living 30 years ago, yeah, Whataburger might be number one. Hold on. Let me check the timestamp on the email because we can do that these days. Yeah, let me check see. the timestamp. Let's see. It was, came in at 3.10 p.m. on August 15th. Oh, 1992. 1992. It did yeah. come from 1992. All right. Well, then in that case, you are correct. But no, Whataburger should not. P. Terry's trumps Whataburger. Well, he writes, he actually writes, he says, I've only been to P. Terry's once, but the shake was definitely good. Yeah, the shakes are no fucking joke. He says, hell no fast food would be taco smell. Sorry, not sorry. And the highly overrated In-N-Out. I think In-N-Out is the most overrated fast food restaurant of all time. I'm not saying it doesn't taste good, but the taste of it compared to the hype, it's the most overrated restaurant ever. First of all, it's a bad name. They should call it in, and then you're going to be there for a long, 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 long time, and then out. Also, guess what in and out is? Thank you to Anthony Burgess and A Clockwork Orange. A euphemism for sex. So you may as well call it sex burger. And in fact, if you did call it sex burger, I'd like it more. That'd be gross. What if What if you open up a burger place and you called it sex burger? That's fucking cool. No. Period. Just call it vagina juice burger. See that? Hey, would you like a vagina juice burger? Nine Danka. What about indigenous titty burger? <laughs> I'll take that over vagina burger. Dude, I would like to open up a place called Titty Burger. Just because that's funny. Well, you can maybe open up next to Sex Burger and we'll see who gets more business. All right. Jay Middleton writes in and says, what's up, you beautiful motherfuckers? I, I know the answer is it's Titty Burgers getting way more business. Right. Except it's Sex Burger. But yeah, otherwise, I agree. He says, after listening to the list for Shame Meals, the only thing I'm really disappointed in hearing is that Whataburger quality is bad. We got another Whataburger lover. I remember having it in Dallas in 2011, and it was pretty great. After listening to the episode, I decided to send my list. Number 10, Arby's, the beef and cheddar to go. Oh, it's a go-to, but it doesn't get much love. I might have to go. I might have to go. After this, I may have to go hit up Arby's. It's been 20 years since I've been on Arby's. Um, he says, it doesn't get much love in the Pacific Northwest, but Bob's right. Don't show up if you have an autoimmune disorder. <laughs> Number nine, Burger King. He says, the Bacon King's a solid burger, but I'm not the biggest fan of flame broiled for fast food. See, All right. our fans are sophisticated. I just ate at Whataburger a night and a half ago, and guess what that burger was? fucking top notch burger king whopper forget about it dude that's that might be the best burger on the market now well, you just said you just said water burger so you're talking about burger king though yeah i'm talking just, about burger just to make king. sure okay yeah i'm talking about burger king. so here's all right but here's <laughs> there were some problems so right, first of all i'm ordering the burger king minutes before they close it's never good no they're not happy I get the burger and I immediately park because what am I going to drive and eat a Whataburger? No. 
I could do that easily with a McDonald's cheeseburger. I could fucking drive NASCAR and eat, eat McDonald's cheeseburgers. No problem. Right. You're doing F1 with a quarter pounder. But a Whataburger Whopper? Nah. You're going to have some dripping and some dropping going on because they put a bunch of stuff in there. So I immediately park, open it up, and much to my chagrin, on the top of the bun is a big old giant daub o ketchup. No problem. On, to- on top of the bun. No problem. Mm-mm. No thanks. I mean, I ate it. I ate it, but <laughs> yeah. I wasn't happy about it. The ketchup should be inside, not outside. Anyways, it was great. They're trying to give you a little extra sauce. All right, number eight, he writes Taco Bell, seven Chick-fil-A, six Carl's Jr., big fan of the Western bacon cheeseburger. I I am too. Number five, Jack in the Box. He says, no. I love a sourdough Jack and the tacos. The tacos are great, but it's too high up on the list already. Number four, five guys, pretty bomb burger and the Cajun fries are great. Number three, Taco Time. Never heard of it. In Washington State, it's a local fast food joint. It's got crazy good deep fried crispy bean burritos. Damn. Mm. Number two, which I support how high this is on the list. He's got Wendy's and he says, I'll get a spicy chicken sandwich and a chocolate frosty any day. Did you go get that spicy chicken sandwich that day? Yeah, I did. And? Okay. <laughs> Dude, I, I thought it was gonna be biting into a fucking a little piece of heaven. It was okay. Well, it it ain't even close to any of the big ones. It ain't close to the the top two are Popeyes and Chick Fil A. Those are the two and Bush's Chicken. Bush's Chicken has a fucking chicken sandwich that's no joke. Well, he says number one is a restaurant called Dicks, which is a Seattle staple. He says <laughs> his go to is the Dicks's Deluxe and Chocolate Shake. If either of you ever had it, I'll personally. Deliver a meal from Dicks to you at whatever venue you're at. A big old bag of Dicks on me. <laughs> Dude, I'll deliver Dicks anywhere, anytime. And I don't even, I don't even own a burger restaurant. Dude, I will take Dicks anytime and also some food. Uh, he ends his email by saying, "Love you guys. Love the show. And just so Bob can sleep soundly at night, I have never beaten it while the podcast has been playing. Sincerely, Jay. Because you had said." Uh, yeah, you yeah, hope yeah. no one masturbated while listening. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Palacios weighs in, and he, the subject is Popeyes. So I'm guessing you're going to like this. He says, Hey, amigos, Jim Palacios from the New Orleans Gimme Country. Love the show. Proud patron since 2021. He writes, Zip. Gotta say, Popeyes is tier one fast food. I know I'm biased living here in New Orleans, but a box of Popeyes chicken during Mardi Gras, one of the best things ever to share with your friends, hot or cold. And that jingle written and performed by Dr. John. Back in 1980, red beans and rice and those biscuits, so good. I didn't know that was Dr. John. Love that chicken from Popeyes. He says, anyways, congrats on all your successes. Clint, congrats on getting the Morgan Way gig. I've been following her music for years and have had the opportunity to interview her on my country show, Dumond. Bravo on the recently released Kusiki P. And Bob, in a room full of blood with a sleeping tiger, was my favorite album of 2021, Chef's Kiss. Can't wait for the next one. And have you on the show again. Until then, bye-bye from Jimmy. Popeye's is the shiznits. Brad Blazik, friend of mine, says, Dear fellow fast food connoisseurs, two words, White Castle. Uh, I've never... I, I feel like I had White Castle once, and it was gross. He says, This has been my ultimate go-to since I was a youngster. Just old-school classic sliders, no cheese. He says cheese ruins them. When I was a kid, we'd always stop at one in Chicago before going to Cubs games at Wrigley because they were way cheaper than stadium food 
been hooked ever since. These days, a stop at White Castle after a concert is a must. The closest one to me now is two hours away, so it's a treat when I'm in Nashville. I don't know if Clint remembers this, but I was visiting him one time and asked if he wanted some and just kind of smirked and was like, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> Made me real sad. Ha ha. I feel like White Castle is something you do when you're drunk and late at night or something you did when you were drunk 20 years ago and you have fond memories of it. But I I think I've been into one White Castle. It smelled like, you know, like a... Like I walked into a toilet stall and the burger was not good. Or it could be like Waffle House where maybe there's one Waffle House in 20 that's good and then the rest are all bullshit. I don't know. Dude, I'm going to put Waffle House in the top five. Waffle House is consistently good everywhere I've ever been. Again, Waffle House, every time you've eaten at Waffle House, and I, I don't know. I don't know any, you've never told me anything about Waffle House, but I'm going to just say this and then you're going to go, okay, you are Inspector Clouseau, which is this. You've never eaten at a Waffle House where you weren't completely wasted. <laughs> Many times. We, one time, it's one of my wife's favorite restaurants too. One time we spent Thanksgiving dinner uh, eating at, at a Waffle House. Again, completely well, the, sober. The, the uh, Yeah, but the quality from Waffle House to Waffle House is the difference between walking on a strip of parking lot and walking on Mount Everest. He says, big fan of McDonald's fish, a f- uh, filet of fish, by the way. Thanks. And he says, anyway, love the show. Thanks, daddy's Brad Blazik. I, right. I did go through a fish filet phase in my life where yeah. I, was, I was eating some fish filet. At, I think like, we all did. At Mickey D's. But again, long, long time ago. Here is the last uh, food-related email. And this is from Lynn Gaddis, friend of the show, patron of the show. She says, hey, guys, you asked, so I'm answering. In this world of eating clean, organic, healthy, gluten-free, blah, 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 there's nothing like a juicy, greasy quarter pounder with cheese with large fries and a Coke to take my blues away. Chick-fil-A takes the number one spot for me, too. I love their entire menu. Enjoyed the episode as usual. Thanks, Lynn. Man, you can't beat Chick-fil-A, dude. I'm telling you. Chick-fil-A beats all the others hands down. It's kind of like the Beatles. It's like the Beatles of fast food. Yeah. Because you grow up your whole goddamn life and all you hear about is how great the Beatles are. The Beatles are geniuses. The Beatles wrote the best songs ever, blah, 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 blah. And you're tempted because we're human beings to go, this has got to be overrated bullshit. Then when you get into it, you're like, no, it's correctly rated because Chick-fil-A gets a lot of of press, a lot of praise. If you just do Chick-fil-A sauce with Chick-fil-A nuggets... You Boom. cannot beat that combo. Boom. Now, there's other stuff that's good. Burger King, Whopper, good. The Shake at P. Terry's, great. Popeye's Chicken Sandwich, great. Wendy's Chicken Sandwich, <laughs> barely edible. You don't no, like it because I like it's it. It's okay. No, it was, it's, it was okay. I was expecting it to be great, and it was okay. Again, it's fast food, so <laughs> some kid is making that. Some some kid is making minimum wage and putting that together. So you don't know what you're getting from, you know what I mean? It's supposed to be quality controlled, but... You're getting a delicious chicken sandwich. So that's what you're getting. All right. We got two emails, neither food related, and you're going to enjoy both of these, I believe. One's very short and sweet from Keith Trimmel, and it's about soccer. He says, hello there, daddies. Or he says, hello, thanks, daddies. He says, Bob, there's a show on Prime called All or Nothing Arsenal. Behind the scenes show based on their last season. I don't like soccer. I just don't like the show. I love it. 
So have you seen All or Nothing Arsenal? Ask me if I've seen every second of it. <laughs> have you seen every second of All or Nothing Arsenal? Of course. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ask me if I've seen it. Ask me, ask me how many times I've cried while watching it. How many times did you cry while watching it? Twice. But one of the times you had a rock in your shoe, so it doesn't count. Um, all right. Douglas Bullock writes in. And I'm guessing this will remind you what he's talking about, but I thought this was interesting. He says, Bob, in your last podcast, you talked about calling out hecklers or some rude effer who interrupted your set because he would not shut up. Then you said you found yourself thinking about it, feeling bad about it for the rest of the set. And you said something about it being ruthless or maybe people might see it that way. He says, well, I was one of those rude effers you called out at a show. Eddie's Attic in Atlanta, 2015. I was in the back of the room talking with one of my buddies, drunk as F. The guy next to me asked me to keep it down, and he was super nice about it. But I didn't listen, just kept on yammering on about whatever dumb shit I was yammering about. About a minute later before you started the next song, you called me out from the stage. I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was brief and to the point and effective. I stopped. Thank God it was dark in that room because my face was hot, glowing purple with embarrassment. But while it was your words that turned me purple, it was not you who embarrassed me. I did that all on my own. What happened next was what should have happened all along. I shut my mouth and listened to you sing your songs without bothering you or anyone else who was there for the same reason. So if you have someone, he says, so if you have some list in your brain with things you've said on stage that made you feel bad, I hope this is not one of them. If it is, there needs to be a, uh, a line through it. You weren't ruthless. Your reaction was 100% appropriate. I deserved what I got. Been a fan of yours for a lot of years, still am. You're a talent with a range and depth I've admired for decades since the nights at Black Cat when Little Sister opened for you guys. Those were amazing shows. After that, with every new record and every show, you've only gotten better. Anyway, sorry I fucked with your shit that night, Bob. You were right to shut me up. Take care, Douglas Bullock. All right, Douglas Bullock gets... You just took the number one slot on my favorite email that we've ever gotten. So, <laughs> great job. You're number one. I appreciate that. Do you remember Eddie's Attic 2015 dealing with a heckler? I'm I guessing mean, guessing no. That's like saying, do you remember that time that you spent three weeks at a federal penitentiary and had a lot of prison sex? I mean, you do, but you try to block it out. Well, that's the emails, folks. It's that easy. Bob and Clint at gmail.com and you can write in and have your stuff read on the show. We pushed through those emails. Dude, I just watched Training Day again. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling in 10 years that movie is going to be almost unwatchable. It has not aged that well. It's still okay. You mean in terms of stupid? It's not good? It's good still, but it's getting stupider. I mean, I watched the OG 1987 Predator last night. <laughs> Guess how well that's aging? Can't be good. Well, within the first minute, <laughs> Jesse Ventura's character yells at everyone in the in the helicopter that they're all being a bunch of uh, slack-jawed faggots. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't think that's acceptable to put in a mainstream action movie anymore. Well, it's one thing, I don't know. It didn't offend me, but it, it, you know, when you watch movies now, when you watch, I don't know if you do this, you and I like a lot of older movies. Older movies tend to be better movies, but you do see a lot of things through the lens of our current moment. And you're like, it is hard not to watch a movie and be like, ooh, that's dicey now, you know? 
Well, I'm I'm rewatching all of Sopranos. I'm on probably hour sixty. Got another twenty four to go, maybe thirty hours left. And uh, like he's super racist. He's a misogynist, racist guy. Yeah, he's not a likable guy. But well, he is a likable guy though because even though he's he's a racist he's still like it's he treats everybody like like he doesn't want his daughter not being with an italian but he'll still do business with everybody like i don't know it's this weird thing he only he only fucks up and kills bad guys but but there are other bad guys on the show that he kills that kill like innocent people and like right that's what was so interesting about the show and i think mad men had a tinge of this too is you end up pulling breaking bad to this you pull for him you pull for tony because they show you how complicated the world is like they show you how complicated morality is his world what he was born into the set of rules he has that are different than normal people's rules so within all of that framework you find ways to root for him but he's not he's an anti-hero. He's not a good guy. He's doing bad shit. Yeah, for sure. And but he is, but he he sums it up really well when he's talking to his therapist one time and he says, "Look, I'm a soldier. These people that get hurt, we're all soldiers. We all know the stakes of the game that we're playing." And it's kind of true. I mean, he's 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 a he's a likable guy in that if you don't cross him, he doesn't. He's not going to fuck you up. Now, I say if you don't cross him, but I mean they're extorting, racketeering, and doing all this shit. But he's he's mainly gambling, prostitution. Uh, doesn't do drug, you know, doesn't sell drugs. So, he, just like the Godfather, very kind of likable. I was just going to say that, and in fact, there's a similar arc where. You know, the, the the ultimate climax of Sopranos is that the other families are wanting to get into pushing hard drugs on the streets. And he's basically like, no. And that's exactly what happens in The Godfather. You know, they all come to Don Corleone because they want to push heroin. And he's like, no, I'm not going to sell heroin to kids on the streets. That's, we make plenty of money. There's plenty of business to go around. And that's what ends up getting his, you know, James Conn's character killed. And it's the same deal. You really like... You know, the Godfather. You love Don Corleone. When he's dude, when it's when he's playing with his grandson out in the tomato fields and has a heart attack and dies, that's one that's a sad scene. You actually feel sad. But that dude wasn't a good dude. No. He wasn't, but super likable. Like, yeah. Fucking uh De Niro and Godfather too when he's playing the young Don Corleone. Oh, so man. cool. Dude. Doesn't get uh, doesn't get any better than some of that. No. It really doesn't. We dipped into the new Game of Thrones last night. And what I have some real heavy thoughts on it. What, what are your thoughts? Well, we've only seen the first episode, and we went in not expecting very much. We, we, we took Nova to school this morning together, and we were checking in on each other with it. And our general vibe was like, do we want to keep watching this? The vibe was sort of a tepid, yeah, sure. Why not? Didn't blow my mind. Let me tell you what happens in the first episode if you haven't seen it. Or if you have seen it, here, here's what they do. They spend the first 10 minutes doing these fucking shots of the city, shots of the 
countryside. It's all just CGI. I'm like, yeah, it hey, does. Lo- it looks bad. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody watched Game of Thrones because of the city or the fucking landscape or any of that shit. Set up the characters. Immediately set up the characters. Show me a character that I can root for that's likable. That's all I care about. <laughs> and they don't do that for like 10 or 15 minutes. You're like, what the fuck am I doing watching this bullshit? They, they show some bullshitty dragons. They show a bunch of... I mean, it's literally 20 minutes in until you finally see a character that you're like, you know, the king, you start kind of liking that king. But you, the other problem with that king is you kind of know him from... You know, from these rom-com movies, it's like, no, don't put the rom-com guy in as the king. Well, and his wig looks really bad. Everybody's wigs looks bad. I feel like the costuming, the the CGI did look really bad. I thought that in the beginning. I was like, this looks like shit. And then the wigs look so weird. No, the wigs are horrible. (laughs) And the chick who plays the queen, obviously they got a chick to look like... What's the chick? Daenerys. They they got a chick that kind of looks like Daenerys. Yeah. But don't do that. Get a <laughs> badass looking bitch in there. This chick looks like she's like a 10th grader at fucking St. Ed's or something. No. Get somebody that looks like they're a f- badass. I will say the giving birth scene. I had to fast forward Horrible. through it. I had to fast forward through it. Don't put that in there. <laughs> you can you can you can show blood on the floor. You can show her giving birth, but don't show cutting into a pregnant lady to kill her it's so fucked up and then the other part that was gross was they they showed that orgy and you saw that like all these naked people having horrible stupid looking sex and then at one point this lady's riding on top of this guy you the shots from the back and she comes up and you can see her whole butthole her (laughs) butthole i'm like what are you cgi that shit out who's editing this shit Well, I think they, I don't want to see somebody's butthole. I think they were trying to ramp up. I think they were trying to do. They do this all the time. I know you're not as into horror movies, but have you? I'm sure you've seen through the years. They'll take a classic horror movie like Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, and then whatever studio owns the intellectual property, so they always are rebooting them every five, ten years, and every time they get worse and worse, like in terms of story, acting, plot. But they get more and more graphic, and it's because they have to compete with how shitty, like the actual movie is not right. good at but all. I don't mind graphic shit, like during the the duels and stuff when they were showing those people smashing their faces in. That was great. Like show that all day long. I don't care. Beheadings, uh, having people's face cave in. Show me that all day. long. I thought but, some of it was even a little much. I, I just don't think they're being tasteful about it. Like you sprinkle some of that in, and it it ups the ante of like what's happening. But if it's just like, it felt like it was shocking. Like they were trying to shock to me. The, the, the scene where, where the guy makes the choice of killing his wife to have the kid. And then they show it in graphic detail. Was I hated stupid. it. Was I hated stupid. it. Like, don't show it. You could say that happened. <sighs> well, on this blistering conclusion, uh, of analysis of the first what are they what's it even called what's it called house of dragons is that what it's called yeah something like that well house anyway dragon i guess we'll be watching this whole thing it's got to get better it can't get some worse commentary. it's probably going to get better yeah uh write in let us know what you think about house of dragons or game of thrones or the sopranos the anti-hero whatever you want us to talk about we will talk about it on the show consider supporting us on patreon it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n 
Patreon.com slash the letters IOK. We have other podcasts. We're both on tour. We're both playing shows. Support the people who make the shit you love. We're going to head to the Secret Weekly right now, where we get to talk about things we couldn't even talk about on the podcast. We're going to talk about House of Dragons some more. Okay, cool. See you there. Bye. (laughs) 